Now, in my experience, growth usually comes from a source of pain or discomfort, which pushes you to try something new or interrupt an old behavior simply because you come to realize that the pain of remaining the same, of remaining who you are and where you are, is far greater than the discomfort it's going to take for you to change and try something new. My intention for this show is to inspire growth within you. So if you want to familiarize yourself with the journey many have taken to drastically change their lives, this is the place to be. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Grow With Moon podcast. I am your host, Moon Zephyr, and it's been a few months since I put out an episode. Um, I'm in my hometown, Pakistan now. I usually live in Canada. I'm here visiting my family. I'm here after two years, and uh, yeah, I decided to record this episode today. I had some time, um, so let's get right into it. So my intention for this episode is to share valuable information and shed some much required light on things we're taking for granted and focus on the problems that actually need to be glorified in the media. And this obviously has to do with um, the situation that we are in globally this whole lockdown COVID-19 situation. And I just found myself to be getting really irritated with the way governments, media, medical institutions have operated in the last 12 months. And that's not to say that they haven't been like that in the past too. It's just that it's been really highlighted uh, recently. And I'm going to present to you with uh, some data and say my piece. And then we're going to talk about Uh, some randomized control trials on the effectiveness of masks done by some really prestigious institutions. And I promise you, you are in for a treat. So let's go. So over the last 12 months, um, only fear, shame and guilt has been funneled across the media consistently and relentlessly. The strength of the virus COVID-19 has been glorified it's been marketed to appear as the greatest killer that has ever existed. And the data doesn't really support that. And so what I'm going to share with you may surprise you. Some of you may already know about this. And even if you did, you may need a reminder because it's not really presented in the media. Uh, What's presented are the numbers of people dying every day and how we may need to go into lockdown again and stuff like that. Before we get into that, I do want to share something about, you know, the power of your mind and uh, the placebo effect. And there's only a few ways to embed a belief into your subconscious mind. One way is through a repetitive action. Um, there's hypnosis. And another way is to repeat the same message over and over again for a long period of time until it just is it's just there in your subconscious and your advertisers know this your governments know this and it's also why affirmations work if you do them consistently there's nothing new here and again the reason why i'm sharing this is because i want to talk about the placebo effect and why it needed to be considered seriously especially when the overall messaging and marketing has been really negative okay so i'm going to share Um, some stats about the global number of cases and deaths, and then we're going to get into it. So this is from, um, uh, I think, two days ago, February 12th. Um, So there's a global tracker of the total number of cases. Um, There's been about 108 million COVID cases reported. 
about 2.3 million deaths. And um, so that's 97% of the people who had COVID recovered and 3% of the people who had COVID died. Okay. So, I mean, just hearing that, it's just doesn't feel that that's being communicated in the media. Okay, so a few months back, CDC, which is the Center for Disease Control, came out with a report. Um, and this is when cases were at around 65 million. We had about uh, 1.5, 1.4 million deaths, with, uh, which gives the COVID the mortality of about 2.5%, 3%. Okay, so this is what the CDC reported. Out of the 1.5 million people who died, 94%, okay, 94% of the 1.5 million who, people who died had an average of 2.6 chronic diseases, 2.6, okay? So these people were already really, really sick. And one of the major comorbidity was influenza. And our focus is on the 6% of the people who are dying, the healthy people. Yes, have compassion for them. But can we not talk about the bigger problem here? That how, how sick we are overall as a species that make us more susceptible and vulnerable to not just things like COVID-19, but all manner of infectious diseases. Um, one of the major uh, comorbidity was <clears throat> influenza. And nobody talks about influenza. Influenza has been killing people for years, but ever since COVID, it's like it's been completely flatlined. Here's a number number I'll throw out throw out at you. Six hundred and fifty thousand people die of respiratory diseases linked to the seasonal flu each year, and. This is, was published uh, by the World Health Organization on their website in 2018. So I guess those numbers have completely flatlined as well since 2020. <laughs> it's like the, um, the seasonal flu just magically disappeared. Um, here's some more stats about how s sick we are as a society. And we're, I'm going to highlight what's going on in the States because we use them as a model for pretty much everything or we have been in the past. It may be changing now. So over 200 million people right now in the United States are obese right now. That's just mind blowing. In 10 years, half the population will be clinically obese 60% of the U.S. population right now has some sort of heart disease already. 135 million people are type 2 diabetic or pre-diabetic right now. 70% <laughs> of the population are already on pharmaceutical drugs. 70%. But if people are already on drugs, shouldn't they be getting better or healthier? Clearly, this method is not working. Drugs are not really the answer. And we're doing something seriously wrong. Shouldn't we be focusing on these numbers rather than, you know, the numbers that we have been focusing on or the number of vaccines sold? I mean, vaccines at the end of the day are just a bandage and it's not addressing the underlying root problem. And the problem is that we are the sickest that we've ever been. Diabetes is an inflammatory condition. Obesity is an inflammatory condition. Heart disease is an inflammatory condition. 
And there's this notion about getting people healthier. And a lot of people, uh, a lot of good doctors did address this. And they did present this when we first got into lockdown, that let's start getting people healthier. And the official stance was that we can't get people healthier overnight. Okay, so just remember that I'm going to share some information about how actually we can get people healthier overnight. But first, I want to talk about the power of belief. Okay, and I share this because the overall messaging has been negative and people have been made to believe that this virus is stronger than than what the data actually shows. Okay, so almost all the drugs that are in the market have to pass through something called the placebo trial. And so the placebo effect, if you don't know, is basically the power of your mind to heal your own body, where one person would get the new drug and one person would get a sugar pill. And if both of the people got better, then that means the drug failed in comparison to the power of your mind, which is it didn't pass a placebo trial, which means the person who took the sugar pill by believing he was getting better actually got better. Isn't that just mind blowing? I mean, it's common knowledge. It's what the pharmaceutical industry uses to pass their drugs. And yet, um, you know, there's it's not something that's repeated in the media every day. It's well documented. And so if you look at the overall messaging and how much we've inflated uh, the strength of this virus, you know, and we've been made to believe that it's stronger than it actually is. So how many of the 6% perfectly healthy people died because they started to believe that this, that this thing was more powerful than it actually is. How many? How many of the 94% people who died by believing that this thing was actually stronger than it actually is? And so, you know, even just that, even if you know just that, like the, the, the messaging that we've gotten for the last 12 months, it's been beaten into your mind that this is something that's a great killer. And it's not... It's still killing people, yes, but it's not as great as made out to be. And our our media and our governments and our medical institutions needed to be more responsible in how the messaging um, was funneled through. I mean, look at the people who've recovered. 97% of the people recovered after getting COVID. And now we're talking about this magical cure, uh, this vaccine is going to be 95% effective at getting you immune. By the way, there has been no other vaccine that has been so efficient. So I guess props to them. But my own immune system is already beating the virus at 97% of the time. So why do I get something that is less efficient than my own immune system and beating this thing? <laughs> Just something to think about. And you know, also know that there's a benefit to vaccines and there's a cost to them as well. Of course there's a cost. There's no drug in the world that exists without its side effects. You will never hear about this in the news. There's no education on this. We must also understand that vaccines is also a for-profit business. It's not angels falling from the sky coming in to save you. Um, check this out. So wealthy countries have already purchased 60% of the available COVID-19 vaccines so far, despite only having 16% of the world population. So this whole thing about herd immunity, is it really about spreading the vaccines equally worldwide? Or is it just a dollar amount we have to hit? Again, just something to ponder about.
I mean, let's, let's use this data to get people healthier, but getting people healthier has never been part of the narrative. It's never been part of the conversation, and sadly, I don't think it ever will be. We want to get people shots and drugs and move on without solving this underlying root problem of how susceptible we are in the first place. And, and so let's talk about getting people healthier overnight. So the FDA fast-tracked all the drugs and vaccines that aimed to specifically target the production of our body's own natural killer cells, okay? Because they found out that our own natural killer cells, our own very body's natural own killer cells are very adequate and effective at killing SARS-CoV-2, which is COVID-19 cells, okay? And so now listen to this. Um, a study published in the Medicine, Sports, and Exercise Journal, which is a peer-reviewed journal, showed that simply going for a 20 to 30-minute walk increases the production and performance of our body's natural kill cells. A walk. Just a walk. So why isn't that on the news? Why isn't that being shared with the public? Another study published in Psychoneuroendocrinology, another peer-reviewed journal, showed that sleep deprivation reduces the number and performance of our natural killer cells. Now we are literally talking overnight. Why isn't this on the news? How many people are getting good quality sleep at a time because of the negative messaging and the stress? How many people are getting good quality sleep? Another study published in the Journal of American and Medical Association, peer-reviewed, says that folks that don't cope well with stress have significantly less natural killer cell activity. Is this, is this not the government's responsibility or the media's or, or the medical institutions to address this, be aware of this, share coping strategies? If not them, then who? Are people stressed right now? Of course, people are more stressed than they've ever been. When you deny parents the ability to go to work, when you deny kids the ability to go to school, deny social interaction, making people literally fear each other. Of course, we're stressed. And we have tons of data on this, tons of data on this. Why don't we alter our messaging currently? And yet our governments continue to funnel fear and guilt and shame through our televisions, making us more vulnerable to not just COVID-19, but all infectious diseases. Loneliness is the number one predictor of early mortality. Obesity is a leading predictor of early mortality. Vitamin D deficiency is related to 9 out of 10 COVID deaths. Shouldn't we at least be aware of this? While correlation is not causation, what harm does it do to communicate to people that, hey, this is what we found, that taking vitamin D and having, you know, good levels of vitamin D in your immune system, going for a walk and getting good quality sleep will help you uh, strengthen your immune system. So that's my piece about um, governments and institutions. And, you know, there, there's been like big uh, results of this. There's, uh, I think the American Asian community have been blamed for, for COVID-19. There were reported of an upwards of 2,800 attacks on the American Asian community in the United States. Why? Because of this, this fear that's constantly you know, being perpetuated and people are make, being made to fear each other and blame each other. Is this a healthy behavior for a society? Like at some point, we have to think that is this an intelligent thing to do? Like can we at least have a conversation about this? 
Okay, now let's jump into uh, <laughs> the clinical trials I found on the effectiveness of masks. And yeah, this is going to be counterintuitive to what we've been hearing. Uh, but here it is. So I first dove into the inceptions of masks because that's important. Why were they created in the first place? What problems were we trying to solve? And here's what I found. Oh, okay, before I, before I do that, I want to tell you that the studies that I'm sharing are all randomized control trials. So there's two tiers in, um, in testing or in research. So one is the randomized control trials, which is the gold standard tests in medicine because it eliminates biases. It looks for a specific intervention and a specific result. If you go a level down, we talk about uh, observational studies. Uh, it's not a specific intervention and not looking for a specific result. And it does, it can be influenced by biases because it's observational studies. Okay, so now that's that's out of the way. Uh, by the way, observational studies are the ones that you are seeing all over the news that are really being pushed right now, even on YouTube. Uh, these are the popular Lancet studies. It's a set of 172 observational studies. And I'll come back to this. Um, but even if you dive into those studies, the majority of them support uh, what I'm about to tell you. So uh, again, this is a randomized control trial published in Cochrane, uh, Cochrane Systematic Review, which is a very pre prestigious database for medicine. And again, randomized clinical trial. So they were looking at physicians who, who wore masks during surgery and those who didn't wear one to see what the difference was in the rate of wound infection rates uh, after the surgery. So the theory is wearing a mask during surgery would reduce the rate of infections. And so this is uh, what they concluded, a big meta-analysis. They said that there is no statistically significant difference in infection rates between the masked and unmasked groups. No difference. This is what the study concluded. All right, so here's another one. This was published in the Journal of Hospital Infections. Uh, again, a randomized control trial. It concluded, surgical masks in surgery after looking at old data are obsolete and unnecessary. Okay, here's another one. Published in the Research for Center of Infectious Diseases. Again, clinical trials. All right, I'm going to quote directly from there now. Um, it says clinical trials in theater surgery have found no difference in wound infection rates with or without surgical masks. Despite these findings, it has been difficult for surgeons to give up a long-standing practice. So wait, <laughs> surgical masks are ineffective in surgery settings. This is what they were created for. They were not even good at doing that. And despite having the evidence, surgeons continue to wear the surgery because it's hard for them to give up a long-standing practice. So now we're, we're diving into the realm of superstition now, okay? So we decided now we're going to take that and put it in a community setting, really something that was created to solve a problem and it's not even good at doing that. And now we're just going to implement it worldwide into a community. So why is it hard for doctors to let go of a, uh, of a practice? It's, it's not their fault. It's, it's a hard for humans to let go of habit anyway. In fact, people will do anything to uh, you know, preserve uh, what they're used to doing. For doctors, it's part of their uniform. It's part of the status quo. It's part of the narrative. It's not easy for humans to accept new information 
And you know, it's not anything new. I'm surprised by it, but also not surprised by it because history has has showed us that many times this has happened in the past. So I'll give you an example, and then we'll jump to clinical studies on masks in community settings, which is also very relevant. So okay, here's a history lesson. In the ninth century, uh, there was a Hungarian doctor. His name was Doctor Ionas Simowice. Okay, he was the first person who advanced the idea of hand hygiene in medical settings. Okay, so hand washing, which is a common practice now, and、uh, we didn't used to do it back then in the hospitals. Okay, so he noticed that a lot at that time, a lot of、uh, women who were giving birth in the hospitals they were dying, and he started to notice that the women who came in with a midwife, those women did not die, but women who saw a surgeon doctor. They were dying, and so he decided to do a study where, in his own hospital, he said that、uh, he asked all of his doctors to start washing their hands before they go into the birthing room, and guess what happened? The woman stopped dying, and what was happening was that these doctors were performing surgery, you know, open wound surgery,、uh, and then. Jumping straight into the birthing room and helping give birth, and obviously the women were getting infected and they were dying. And so, as soon as he found out, he shared these studies with、uh, his fellow peers, with other hospitals, and guess what happened? He was ridiculed. He was humiliated. He was discredited.、Um, his career was literally destroyed because he was presenting new data. That went against the narrative. That went against the status quo, and now it's common knowledge. So, people get so surprised when uh, uh, they find that people are acting differently to new information. Now, it's it's the way we've always been. Like, do I need to talk about when when the first person who who who、uh, proposed that the Earth may not actually be the center of the universe? We all know what happened to that guy, right? Anyway. You know, science is just not one fixed opinion. It never has been. It's about testing other hypotheses. Science says nothing. <laughs> science is a process, a method. It's not a thing which speaks with a singular voice, like it's made out to be in the last twelve months. It's just not. And when you realize that there are billions of dollars wrapped wrapped up in drugs, wrapped up in vaccines, you'll not you'll not understand why certain information is pushed. Forward and some information is not. And、um, there's this doctor right now, Dr. Thomas Coven. I was listening to him on a podcast, and he said said something that was,、um, you know, about sums it up. And he said, and I quote, that science isn't very scientific right now. And that sums up sums up the problem that we're living in right now. Okay, so now back to the gold standard testings on masks in community settings. Okay, so this was published in the British Medical Journal. Very prestigious in 2015. Okay, pre-COVID. So the purpose was to find find out how effective surgical masks and cloth masks are at reducing the spread of infectious diseases in community settings. Okay, so very specific purpose with a very specific intervention. Okay, they、uh, collected data. This is data from 14 different hospitals. Okay, 14 who complied with the study and submitted the the results. Okay, so there were three groups. One group was asked to wear a surgical mask for their entire shift. Second group was asked to wear a cloth mask for their entire shift. Can't take it off. And the third group, which was the control group, 
They weren't given any specific instructions. They could wear a cloth mask, they could wear a surgical mask, they could not wear a mask, whatever standard medical practice was. It was up to them, okay? So here are the results. <clears throat> Uh, first, it's important to note that a percentage of all medical staff got infected with influenza or a viral illness, okay? And now this is important. Participants wearing a cloth mask had significantly higher rates of infection. In fact, cloth masks were 13 times more likely to get viral infections than those wearing surgical masks, okay? So right away... If you're listening to this, if you're wearing cloth masks, you should just throw them away in the dustbin. We know that cloth masks should absolutely not be worn. Very clear. Yet, nothing from the government about this. Okay. Continuing with the study, they found that cloth masks were penetrated by virus particles 97%. Their penetration rate was 97%. Okay, you're basically fully penetrated at this point. Surgical masks had a penetration rate by virus particles of 44%. I mean, it's, it's still being penetrated. 44% penetration, you're going to feel that. So, <clears throat> uh, this is what they found out. So, moisture retention and poor filtration cloth masks actually increased the rate of infections. Cloth masks, okay? Again, if you're wearing cloth masks, just throw them out does not work, they actually give you a higher risk, okay? This is a conclusion. This is a conclusion from the study. Um, surgical masks were not effective. Cloth masks, even less effective. <laughs> What's less effective than not effective? It means that if you wear a cloth mask, you're actually increasing your chances of getting an infection. Surgical masks were not effective because they did not outperform the control group. The control group was people who uh, were told to do whatever they want. Wear a mask, not wear, wear a mask, whatever. Okay. So Oxford University, listen to this, did an analysis of this study and to see what's going on. And they said, and I quote, Accumulation of moisture in prolonged usage exacerbates the problem with wires particles coming in and out of the mask by increasing resistance to airflow. Moisture retention is also thought to facilitate the movement of contaminants through the mask itself. So, you know, we're making our children wear masks at school all day. Let me ask you this. Is this a safe behavior for a child? Is this actually about protecting our kids or just having the appearance that we're protecting our kids? And at the very least, if, if this study is available, why are we acting like it does not exist? At least tell people to stop wearing cloth masks. Okay, so here's another study. So this one is also uh, a big meta-analysis of 19 19 randomized control trials, gold standard, 19, okay? This should put any doubts to bed. Uh, this is published in the National Journal of Nursing Studies, examining the effectiveness of masks in reducing infections in eight community settings, real-world examples, six healthcare settings, and five source control settings, okay? And this is, this is uh, what the results said, big meta-analysis. Medical masks are not effective, and cloth masks, cloth masks even less effective. There it is again. There it is again. 
And yet we act like this doesn't exist, okay? But when you move to the conclusion of this study, and this is where intelligent people with a strong cognitive bias will will go a different way, okay? This is what the conclusion said. This, um, Use of masks by well people could be beneficial, particularly for the COVID-19, where transmission may be pre-symptomatic. Why is the conclusion so different from what the results are clearly saying? Big meta-analysis. Medical masks are not effective. Cloth masks, even less effective. Why is the conclusion so different? This is because of a highly politicized environment where people want to follow the narrative, want to follow the status quo and keep the status quo. They're using words like could be, maybe, but the language in the results is clear. There's no arguing about it. Look at the results. And again, we act like we doesn't exist. Can we at least have a conversation about this? Is science really a singular voice that the the one that we've been hearing for the last 12 months are all alternative hypotheses or uh, points of view conspiracies. You know, why is it that doctors and scientists are not saying this? Well, there are some doctors who are saying this, but there are a lot of doctors who are not or who are ignoring these studies. And it's very simple. There's big rewards if you follow the narrative and there's huge consequences if you don't. One quick example here is about Dr. Bruce Lipton, okay? He's a world-renowned cell biologist, a leader in epigenetics. He is your virologist's virologist, okay? They shut down a couple of his programs. Uh, they censored him. Why? Because he had a different opinion than what the popular narrative had. And we act like, you know, we've gone past that point um, that I mentioned earlier, what happened with Dr. Ioannis Simonweis, who, suggest, who suggested hand-washing, and they did the same thing to him. And that's what's the scary part about the world we live in, where people can be censored and shut down for uh, sharing, you know, good information, for sharing new information. It's nothing surprising, but it exists. Um, there's people who also say, well, um, if these people didn't get COVID-19, they would have still, they would still be alive. And then my question is, how do you know that? How do you know that the 94% who had an average of two and a half or chronic diseases, how do you know they would have still been alive? You can't, you can't say that. Anyway, so these are all the studies that I wanted to share with you guys today. I hope it, uh, you know, brought some light and at least shared some good information with you guys here. Um, I'm still not done yet. I have a tons more of data to go through. Uh, I'm done with the randomized controlled trials, but there's some general knowledge that I want to shower you with now, okay? Um, again, you know, don't wear a cloth mask. Get good amounts of vitamin D. Go for a walk and get good quality sleep and, you know, start to cope well with stress or look for strategies or look for help, okay? Um, <clears throat> I'm sorry about the chair noise. My chair is very squeaky. So um, I wanted to learn more about viruses, and this is what I found. Okay, so right now, you and I, we have upwards of 400 trillion, not billion, trillion virus particles in and on our body right now. We also have something called, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to take a sip of water now. <laughs> so... 
We also have something called the human virome, which is the root development of our immune system, okay? <clears throat> our immune system is a virus that helps us fight other viruses. It's been a big part of our evolution. We have evolved with viruses. They are required. When they did the human genome project, they were shocked to find out that our own immune system is 8% endogenous retroviruses. Our very own genomes are made up of viruses. <clears throat> and now it's evolving into this huge twisted fear without understanding our innate interaction and requirement to have viruses. We did this before with bacteria. We became this huge antibacterial world. And then we realized we went too far and messed up our immune system with antibiotics and created super strains. <clears throat> we are exposed to trillions of viruses every day. Most of the time when we get sick, we are already carrying around the virus. This whole notion of catching the cold is incorrect. We are already carrying the cold. Most viruses are opportunistic viruses. They're waiting for you to be weak, lacking nutrition, uh, lacking vitamin D, lacking sleep, be overtly stressed from working a job that you hate. And nine times out of 10, when we get sick, it's not because the viruses are strong. It's because we're not taking care of our own immune system. You know, when we understand that we know very little, and let me give you an example. Take virology, for example, because it's relevant here. Our most prestigious virologists... Most, prestige, most prestigious virologist knows less than 1% of all viruses that exist. Less than 1%. And of those viruses that we know about, we know less than 1% of what there is to know about them. Isn't that mind-blowing? And yet, when a vir virologist shows up on TV, we're taking their word as law. I promise you, in 10 years... When we, when we create a powerful enough microscope to actually look at virus particles, because right now we can see them, but they're very blurry, okay? This is how small they are. Check this out. A bacteria is 1 40th the width of a single hair, okay? That's bacteria. A virus particle is even smaller. It's measured in nanometers, okay? You can fit hundreds, if not thousands of viruses inside a single bacteria cell, okay? These virus particles don't give a damn about your mask. It's coming through. <laughs> um, here's another thing, and this one uh, most people already know, and it's that we can only see 0.0035% of reality. Okay, we can only see visible light, which is only a tiny fraction of the electromagnetic spectrum. And my whole intention is for, for, for this entire episode, and this is the longest one I've ever done, uh, a solo episode, is for people to get uh, uh, charge of their own health, to bring light, some information that's not being presented, that's um, being pushed under, in fact. We need to start focusing on getting people healthier because that is the root of the problem. And the institutions that we trust so blindly, we need to take their words with a grain of salt, okay? Because institutions have an agenda. At their very core, these institutions, their very instinct is to survive. Because what happens when less and less people get sick because we are a healthy human population? What happens to big farmers' profits? They lose a lot. What happens when we eradicate almost all illnesses because our immune systems are so strong that we don't even get sick? 
that we take care of our own health. It threatens the very uh, survival of big pharmacies. You know, there's a conflict of interest right there. If people get healthier, who are, gonna, who are they going to sell drugs to? What happens when we solve world hunger and get clean water? What problems of the world would governments focus on? You know, institutions are not saints. I'm not saying they're all bad, but they're also not saints. They have agendas. And blindly trusting them, we make mistakes. We need to start thinking for our own selves or, or learn how to think rather than be told what to think, like we have been in the last 12 months. Um, here's another fun stat. The U.S. pumped $2.3 trillion into its economy recently because of the pandemic. It's a huge number, right? Not 500 billion, not 900 billion, but 1,000 billion is 1 trillion, okay? <laughs> and we just pumped that cash into the economy without giving it a second thought on the news for one day and then poof. Where did it go? Okay, here, estimates are that it would take around $400 billion to end world hunger, a couple hundred billion to get clean water for everybody in the entire planet. We can end the basic problems that we face as a human species with less than half of the money that the U.S. just pumped into their economy. We don't lack resources. We have more than enough. Okay? So, and, you know, part of it is that we need to be responsible as well. A lot of people ask, you know, why does suffering exist and people blame God for it or whatever. But suffering exists because we allow it to exist. If God, if you take God to be an observer, a singular observer, he did not create hunger. He did not create poverty. We did. All it takes for us to end world hunger, to get clean water, is for all humans to agree to do so because we don't lack resources. That's not God's problem. It's our problem. There's a whole other thing about I want to talk about diet, but here's one thing, quick thing I'll share with you. Uh, Bayer is this uh, giant German chemical and pharmaceutical maker, okay? They acquired Monsanto uh, about two years ago. And so uh, the reason why I'm mentioning is because they make Roundup. Roundup is the weed killer that we spray all over pesticides, all over, uh, sorry, all over our uh, agricultural crops, you know, everything that we eat, Okay. They are set to pay upwards of $10 billion to settle, cancel, to settle cancer lawsuits, okay? Because people got, I think, lymphomia from using their product or eating uh, whatever produce they eat that, ha that had Roundup sprayed on them. Like, who allowed this to happen? We did. This is the same food that we eat. And guess what? Uh, there's continue. They're going to continue uh, to sell their product without adding any warning labels about safety because they have so much money to give. Um, so I think this is the end of my episode. I hope the information I have shared with you has shook you because I wanted to shake you because I want you to be more aware and takes the power into your own hands. And if there's anything that you got from this episode, one is throw away cloth masks if you're wearing masks at least wear surgical masks because they actually don't get you sicker make sure you have good levels of vitamin d supplement your health with vitamin d make sure you get good quality sleep every day make sure you go for a walk every day or have some form of exercise and you know that's a small step towards uh, being a healthier happier 
society. Take care, everyone, and have a great rest of your week or month. I don't know when I'll be producing another episode. Maybe it'll be a month. Maybe it'll be a week. I'm in my hometown, and I don't have all my equipment, um, but I'll be going back soon. Anyway, take care. Peace. Hey everyone, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I just want to say that I spent uh, tens of hours into this episode because it was really research intensive. So if you guys can share, like, subscribe, I'll really appreciate it. Take care. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in to this edition of the Grow With Moon podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to my show so that you don't miss a future episode. Feel free to leave a rating, a comment. If you want to follow me on social media, my Instagram is the Grow With Moon podcast. Once again, thank you and enjoy the rest of your day.